Welcome to Empowering Connections, a podcast by Connie Akins, a licensed professional counselor with a private practice to help you heal your personal and professional relationships through counseling advice, tips, and ideas. Empowering Connections will focus on healthy ways to improve these relationships, help you manage your stress, and attain a better sense of self-fulfillment. Today's episode is in conjunction with the Dr. Lip podcast and has been recorded and distributed across both podcast streams. For more information on the Dr. Lip podcast, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Dr. Lip podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey Lip. Today's date is October 10th, 2020, but this podcast will be coming out on Monday, October 12th, 2020. So happy Monday to everybody out there. Welcome to podcasts that focus on education, careers, relationships, and counseling. Today, for the 184th podcast, I'd like to welcome back to the show from podcast number 161, when her and myself talked about finding hope and change from domestic violence, Ms. Connie Akins is back on the show with me today, everybody. So before we jump into our podcast together about social media addiction, Connie, how are you feeling today? And can you please share with the listeners how you've been since our last podcast back on May 4th, 2020? Thanks once again, Dr. Lip, for inviting me to be on your podcast. I really enjoy our conversations. They're very stimulating. And hopefully both you and I are informing our audience of ways to get help for various social problems. What I've been doing is trying to help people by the way of the Empowering Connections podcast and also uh, private practice, as well as continuously working with children and youth. Wonderful. And that's exactly what we're doing today. Both Connie and I, this podcast is going to be shared on both our shows. She is the host of the Empower Connections podcast, which again is blowing up. So I'm so grateful to have her on today. And again, we're going to be talking about social media addiction today. So once again, if you're picking up my pod for the first time, or you've been listening to the show at the Dr. Lip podcast for a while now, this podcast is all about breaking that stigma of seeing a professional for your mental health. Today, once again, Connie and myself will be talking about social media addiction. So one of the major reasons why I invited Connie on the pod today is because obviously she's a awesome professional counselor, and she also deals with clients that have addiction issues. And she has also watched the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. So Connie, if the listeners did not happen to watch The Social Dilemma, could you please give them a brief summary about what this documentary was all about? In addition to that, how does this topic of addiction factor into this documentary? It's awesome. It could be a little scary or a little startling because I don't think the average person realizes just how much they are addicted to social media. The documentary, The Social Dilemma, is explaining how we've taken an entire generation and basically have gotten them addicted to technology. I, unfortunately, have not seen it yet. And when you and I connected personally, you definitely said, hey, did you check this out? And unfortunately, obviously, time is what you need to do to watch this series in regards to this documentary, and I haven't done it. But basically, what I read up upon it is that this documentary is all about how social media is impacting us as individuals and as a society. You know, I just share with you guys, obviously, that I have not watched it yet, but I always enjoy a good conversation with Miss Connie here about mental health and addiction, which is why she specifically is a great guest to get on the show today. So with that being said, we are now at the part of the show where I give all my guests some data about the topics that we discuss on this show. So Connie, here's your data. According to ScienceDirect.com, the average person spends nearly two hours per day using social media. 
which amounts to five years and four months of his or her lifetime. And in addition to that, 220 million people are estimated to suffer from internet and social media addictions. So what are your thoughts about these statistics, especially it relates to mental health and addiction? First of all, I want to say to the audience, let's talk about the term addiction. Addiction means that you have some compulsive behavior that you are unable to resist. Most of the time when we talk about the term addiction, get into talking about substance abuse. But in this instance, it's an activity. And so people are addicted to social media platforms. They cannot withdraw from their social media. And when they do withdraw, they actually start experiencing withdrawal symptoms, just like a person who is addicted to a substance. And that was demonstrated in this documentary a lot. And there was a scene, one scene where the mom asked her children to not use their phones at dinner time, and she put the phones in a locked box. And the teenage preteen daughter, the tween, got up and broke the box in order to get the cell phone out. Now, that probably seems dramatic, but if you think about the use of technology in society right now, and especially our cell devices, you can't drive down the street, you can't walk down the street, you can't be at the mall, the movies, the concert. Most of these things were like before the pandemic. You couldn't participate in those activities and not see people holding a mobile device. So that's one thing. The other thing is, because of the pandemic, I would say that that statistic is probably even higher. So for example, I monitor my own use and I was shocked by the increase of how much time I'm spending on my phone, be it using an app, the email, or any of the social media platforms. So I think that want to use this as a tool and as a resource, it has become an addiction. And I'm going to say that the reason why it's an addiction is because anytime a child cracks a glass case to get their phone or can't go without holding their phone for, say, a matter of 30 seconds, then we know that it's an addiction. What you just said was basically like, I relate to something that I've dealt with in regards to clients that I work with, whether it be alcohol, drug addiction, cracking a case open. If you think about that, it's like you're going to do whatever it is in your power to go ahead and grab that alcohol to make sure that you appease that addiction. And how I look at addiction, very similar to what you described earlier, is that you put that as your number one priority. And no matter what the situation may be, as that number one priority, it affects your daily living. Today is really focusing that larger discussion around that social media addiction. Because we already talked about what addiction is. What I want to focus it around is the negative effects of social media on specifically the population of teenagers, which is also what the documentary kind of focused on also. So one of the negative effects of social media on teenagers is, quote unquote, persuasive technology. And again, persuasive technology refers to the ultimate goal of using artificial intelligence, which is AI, that powers social media. With that being said, from your own professional perspective, Connie, what does persuasive technology mean in regards to social media addiction? I'm going to explain it just like they explain it in the documentary. It is the power of influence. 
and there's an actual that tracks and monitors all of our activities. So here's an example. I was looking for a table for a space that I have. And I looked at the table on one site. And then when I went to a social media platform, the table popped up in front of my eyes. So that is the power of persuasive technology. And then when I looked in my email two days later, the table popped up again in order to influence me. So persuasive technology, it has the power to influence. And so if you think about the development that is going on with tweens and teenagers, social media giants like Google, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok are now influencing the minds of these teenagers. We grew up in a generation where people were socially connected through face-to-face interpersonal interactions. These kiddos are growing up with likes, hearts, thumbs ups, and emojis. (laughs) And all of that is having an impact on their mental health and their mental wellness. It plays on their abilities to feel some sort of connection, but they don't actually feel a connection. They're so persuaded that they can't put down their technology. I discovered on my Apple Watch that there's a ping. And so I accidentally touched it and I regretted it immediately because once you use technology to do one thing, it influences everything around you. So now I'm getting a notification on my watch. I'm getting a notification on my phone. If I'm on my computer, everybody's notifying you. And once you start getting these notifications, what's going to happen? It's going to draw you to a place where they want you to go or draw you away from something that you want to do. So how we see it in, in everyday life, you know, I'm a counselor. I work in high school. There's distractions all over the place. Students are unable to put down their phones. They don't want to put down their phones for testing. They don't want to put down their phones for assemblies. And they're just being influenced by modern culture that has figured out how to persuade and influence them. It's that literal dopamine rush that you feel by getting that notification. It's very similar to that same kind of dopamine that's released when you go work out. You know, you get this rush of euphoria. Hey, look, I feel like someone is paying attention to me. And that to me is everything. You brought up the term dopamine. If you think about it, that is the chemical release that makes you feel good or makes you feel pleasure. It's also going back to that addictive part of being drawn into social media. Great point, which leads me to the second negative effect of social media on teenagers, which is quote unquote, fake popularity. So in general, you kind of made mention of this. It's that short-term reward, like the hearts, the likes, the thumbs up. You feel great at the time. And then all of a sudden that like, that thumbs up, whatever the case may be, that heart, it's done. So then you're left then with feeling vacant and empty again. So with that being said, for your own professional perspective, Connie, what does fake popularity mean in regards to social media addiction? I say this to young ladies a lot. Comparison is the thief of joy. And what I mean by that is when you start getting all of the likes or the hearts or these emojis and you start 
to not get them or not receive them, then these young ladies and these teenage girls, they start losing their joy. In the last, I'm going to say the last eight years for me as a person that works in a school with teenage girls, I have seen an increase in anxiety beyond belief, depression, anxiousness around social interactions where kids don't want to participate in what we would have called normal activities. You know, they don't want to go to a party. They're worried about how they look. They're comparing themselves to celebrities. And actually the suicide rate of teen girls has risen like 54%. You know, that's one of the statistics that they say in the documentary. But I see it almost every other week. You know, sad to say, it may not go through with the actual act, but suicidal ideation among young people is extremely high. And when I think about the presence of social media in their lives, then I understand why. Because they're not feeling loved, they're not feeling connected, and they're not feeling affirmed because of this fakeness that's going on in social media. You can buy followers. It's not truly a, you know, solid relationship that's being developed there. It's all developed via social media. doesn't necessarily need to concrete relationships going forward. And everything that you Mm -hmm. touched upon literally really kind of embraces the next topic on here, which is the third negative effect. When you talked about comparing with girls, what they call it in this article that I read was something called, quote unquote, snapshot dysmorphia. And this is, again, the link between social media and body image. And with social media so focused around appearance, this triggers body dysmorphia perception in teens, especially, as you may mention, of high school girls. So, Connie, you know, you talked a little bit about it already. But the third aspect of a negative effect on social media is snapshot dysmorphia. So in your own professional opinion, what does snapshot dysmorphia kind of mean? in regards to social media addiction? In relationship to body dysmorphia, you have kids who refuse to take their pictures. They don't want to be filmed because they're anxious. They have anxiety around their social presence. I had a young young man even, because normally it's girls for me, but he was a young tween. He was in middle school and he literally had picked out his eyebrows. He just was picking and fixating on one part of his body, feeling inadequate. And you'll also see it around girls who either wear excessive makeup or don't care how they look, period. But one of the things that we need to realize is that all of these young people who were born after 1997, these millennials, the Gen Z, this generation has grown up with social media. They have adapted to living their life a certain way and really based on a false set of expectations. Mm-hmm. 78% of these teenagers, these girls with this body dysmorphia, you know, some of it could be either too fat, too thin, like I said, or not feeling adequate in their clothing or their attire. These are the kids who are contemplating suicide. 30% of them have even attempted suicide. And like I said, I see it all the time. I see kids who come up in my office and they're suicidal. And it's always a conversation that's either related to how they feel about their physical body. Some of it even leads to another disorder, anorexia and obsessive compulsive behaviors. 
all of this stuff is intertwined. You know, they don't have the knowledge base that adults have to deal with some of the conflicts that they feel. And they don't have the interpersonal connection to even know how to communicate how they're feeling and why they're feeling that way. Absolutely. But they can tell you, my friends, I look on social media, they're talking about me, you know, and it's making them feel bad. Again, when you put that much vulnerability out, there is obviously people that are going the opposite direction to give you feedback. And that opposite direction could be very negative for you. And that's the reason why, you know, it's not necessarily the most healthy thing on there because it does create this perception within your mind that you're not good enough for everybody out there, you know, and it's an impossible feat to reach up to, you know, so you're creating this perception that, you know, social media is necessarily the only thing that kind of matters, that opinion only matters. And what it leads me to is the, Fourth negative effect that we're going to be talking about, which is quote unquote digital pacifier. And I want to make mention of everybody that's listening and for both audiences here specifically is that Connie and I are talking about these negative effects. We are also going to give some practical ways to discourage addiction to social media too. Even though we're talking about in this context, we're not going to leave you in regards to basically not, not knowing what to do next. So the fourth one again is called digital pacifier. What the documentary points out is the growing evidence that teens as well as adults have lost the ability to calm and soothe themselves with real-world reflection activities and relationships, which we talked about at length already in this podcast. Instead, they deal with challenging emotions by turning to social media for distraction and entertainment. So instead of really building that solid connection that we've been talking about all along here, they'd rather turn to social media because, in my opinion, it's a lot easier to do that. But with that being said, Connie, please, from your own professional perspective, what does digital pacifier mean in regards to social media addiction? Well, I'm going to say this. What it means is that for young people, they are looking to be affirmed through social media. Instead of dealing with a challenging emotion, they're going to run to their phone and see how many people like their photo. That's why we have the selfie stick and we have girls who have done everything from face shots to even some inappropriate behavior because mm. they they need that gratification. They need that, that like. They need that affirmation. They want to feel good about themselves. I think that another way that it could be used as a pacifier is that in parenting, instead of using communication when children are younger, and I've seen it even today, I was talking to one of my clients and she wanted to say no. Her son ran into the video screen as we were talking and he does it like almost every Saturday and he wanted to get the phone. And I'm thinking, you know, the TV used to be our babysitter a while ago or the Xbox or the PlayStation. But now even kids as young as four are drawn to a mobile device and they will whine and complain and they will do everything that they need to do to get this piece of equipment as a pacifier, a soother, and to get enjoyment out of excluding things that are better for them, like going outside to play, interacting with your brother or sister, talking with your parents one-on-one. You did a good job summarizing those first four negative effects of what social media has done. Let's really end this podcast today. We'll give in some practical solutions on how to discourage addiction to social media. And obviously the documentary does a fantastic job. And again, I haven't watched it, but specifically what I read about, it, it does a fantastic job summarizing these negative effects, but doesn't give you some concrete ways to handle all of this addiction. 
from your professional perspective again, because you're a great professional counselor, what are some practical ways to discourage addiction to social media? I know that we can't go cold turkey from social media. So what I'm going to say is that people need to use social media platforms in moderation. Really cut back, become aware, become mindful of how you're being tracked and monitored. Like I told you, I was looking for a table and I ended up buying the table, but it was interesting to me after seeing the social dilemma, how this table kept coming up on every single platform that I'm on. How about turn it off for a minute? Turn it off, shut it down, you'll be okay. Sometimes we need to disconnect from technology in order to feel better. How about do something that you enjoy? And if you don't even know what you enjoy anymore, that's pretty sad because that means that you're spending way too much time on social media platforms. Get outside. You know, we've been in our houses because of the pandemic. Get outside, go for a walk, ride your bike, you know, do something interesting. Be creative. How about art? You know, there's many things that you can do. Try something new. And, you know, just be mindful of the here and now. And, you know, I think that anytime that there's an addiction, some people, they really do need to shut it down for a minute. But I'm going to say this, be grateful, be mindful, and spend more time interacting on a social level with your family and with your friends. Again, these are great suggestions that as long as you've been on my pod, you've always given some good practical solutions in regards to like handling anything that we're talking about. What I would just say to everything that you said is that look at specifically the behavior that's associated with the addiction. You know, so how much time are you spending online? How are you going to change that behavior? What type of rules are you setting for yourself up at your household with either your parents, because we're focusing on teenagers here, in regards to how we can monitor the behavior that's being put into that? And then, you know, you talked about this a hundred times today, which is great, which is about turning off those social media notifications. That's what, again, it's the behavior that's associated with it. One of the last things is that, for example, everyone knows that drugs and alcohol, those addictions are real. There's a lot of education being thrown that, hey, drugs are bad, alcohol is bad. There's no, a lot of education associated with talking about how you're being manipulated by social media. So these conversations need to be had, you know? So the more that we can do that, with our children, with our teenagers, the more that we're able to control the behaviors associated with these addictions, which is specifically what you want to do, because these are all behavior and emotionally related to the actions that they're doing in their real life. So Connie, that was amazing today. I'm going to end with this. So what are your thoughts about what we did on the pod today? And in addition to that, you know, and I think I asked you this already, the last show that you got on with me, but I'm going to close with this again. Who do you know that I don't know? Should I actually get on this pod next? And specifically, what should we talk about? Well, Jeff, I want to say thank you for allowing me to come on your show today. And I want to recommend people watch The Social Dilemma. And I also want to recommend that parents read the book Glow Kids. Not only we are influenced, but how our children are being influenced in society, especially as we move forward with all of our goals and plans and, you know, trying to raise children who are citizens that are producing something worthy in society. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, I hope that you take some of this advice and use it. And, you know, we're not trying to say don't do it, but we are saying moderation is the key. Really, Jeff, you always have some wonderful things to talk about. I think for me, I want to talk more about relationships. There's not enough said about relationships, something to do with how people feel socially isolated right now. 
could also lead to an increase in just, you know, being on technology because you don't have anything to do. You know, if you want to get more into addiction as a topic, we could do another one on codependency one day. Friends who work in behavioral health, who, you know, work with addicts every day, and they can, you know, really talk to you about it. Obviously, you know a lot more people than I do. You're very well connected. So I appreciate that. Hey, listen, where can they find you specifically to listen to Empower Connections? On Google, Apple, on Stitcher. That's where you can find me. And it's Empowering Connections. And you can also find me on Instagram, Connie Akins LPC. And with that being said, if everyone could do me a favor and visit me over at draftflip.com, over there you can connect with me in regards to gain some counseling support in the areas of education, careers, and relationships. Also there you can find the pods and then read my blogs. The assessment is there and available at draftflip.com. Please check it out. So we're best suited to work together in regards to getting some counseling support in the areas of, once again, education, careers, and relationships. Finally, if you like the pod that I did today with Miss Connie Akins, and if you have an iTunes account or wherever you listen to your pods, could you please do me a favor, subscribe, rate, and review the Dr. Lip Podcast. It will help other people find the show. Until next time, this is Dr. Lip saying thank you so much for tuning to the Dr. Lip Podcast. See ya. This episode was brought to you in conjunction with the Dr. Lip Podcast. For more information on this podcast or Dr. Jeff Lip, please visit jefflip.com. You can find the Dr. Lip Podcast on Google Podcasts, iTunes, or anywhere podcasts can be streamed. The Empowering Connections Podcast is not intended to replace the need for a professional counseling relationship. This podcast does not constitute professional advice or counseling services. As always, if you need mental health services, please seek a qualified mental health provider. You can find Connie Akins on the websites Psychology Today and Therapy for Black Girls. If you have an iTunes or Spotify account, please subscribe, share, and continue to listen. Feel free to check out Connie Akins' website at www.empoweringserenity.net. And follow Connie on Instagram at Connie Akins LPC. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast. We appreciate you listening to the Empowering Connections podcast and providing feedback. Stay positive.